Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm. We've got two things we're going to talk about today. Uh, first of all, we are talking about a story from 24-7 Sports. Um, basically, what they did was they ran through all of the basketball transfers in the Pac-12 and said what their roles were going to be. We haven't dug in too deeply into you know like what this rotation is going to look like for CU this season. Mostly because, I mean, it's it's June and I want to save those types of conversations as long as I can till we're desperate. Um, but this seems like a, a good time just to kind of jump in and, and try to figure out what some of these roles are and maybe use what 24-7 Sports says as a starting point because, I don't know, it, it's just interesting to see what others think. Um, then, in the second half of this podcast, we're going to talk about the college football video game. EA Sports has a, a new, I guess it's not going to be called NCAA. It sounds like it's going to be called college football than like whatever year it is. Um, but there were some more details that came out um, from the Extra Points newsletter. We're going to talk about some of those, um, but the big one being that they're still planning on releasing it next July. Um, and then we'll, we'll dig into some of the nitty gritty and kind of what, what I want to see out of it as well so that's the plan for today it's tuesday um i'm not really sure what the plan is for tomorrow still it's um, this is a busy week i'm like going and touring a bunch of apartments in uh, an hour or so a little more than that um tomorrow i have that golf thing that's going to take up a lot of the day then i've got to do the broncos podcast right after that and then it sounds like the avs are going to play right after that in what is now a very important game and so, it's going to be busy, and it's going to be busy through the weekend because I'm going to Montana early Saturday morning and coming back early Sunday morning, so maybe there's like a Sunday podcast. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but there will definitely be a podcast on Thursday, and I'm going to try to find a way to get one up tomorrow as well. Who knows? Maybe I'll just record a bonus one tonight and count that as tomorrow's. Who is to say? Um... Might as well just jump in, I guess. Ooh, there is one note. There is one note. Uh, Ellen Jones of the CU soccer team. She was a freshman last year. She'll be a sophomore this season. Uh, she was called up to Wales's uh, national team training camp, which is kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, it's a really big deal. Uh, the way that works is there's 26 players who get to go to the camp, and then it's a 23-person roster. 
and I'm pretty sure that they've already said that she's just there for the camp. Um, she's like the only collegiate player that's that's on that team um, going to that camp, and she's played for actually it was the the UK um, U18 and U19 and U17 those sorts of teams um, before switching to Wales. So I'm not sure what's up with that, um, but definitely worth keeping an eye on. Um, I I imagine that there's a big qualifying tournament in Europe for the you know the World Cup that's next year for the the Olympics the year after that's what Taylor Korniak and the US women's national team is playing but they play against the the teams from the Americas and so I'm not totally sure what's up with with Welsh soccer I believe that's how you say it um but we do know that that's a, a pretty cool start and she's on the on the path to being on those full-on teams in the near future. So congrats to Ellen on all that. Um, I, that was the only note I believe. So now we can actually jump in. Um, now we can actually talk about, uh, first of all, these roles for the transfers according to 24-7 sports. Um, so Colorado has two transfers this season, uh, both of them, well, actually three, because uh, Javon Hadley is a JUCO transfer, but they didn't include him in this, which is interesting. We'll talk about him later on. Uh, the, the two transfers that are included in this 24-7 sports article from Isaac Trotter are Jalen Gabadon of Yale and Ethan Wright of Princeton. Um, they actually played against each other in the the Ivy League championship game, which is just kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, but here's here's what uh, they have to say, first of all, about Jalen Gabadon. Colorado really discovered a nice-looking defender in Gabadon. The Yale transfer has very good instincts on defense, and he averaged 1.4 steals per game last year. There's a big competition for playing time on the wing, but at the very very least, Gabadon has a role off the bench in 2022-23. And then Ethan Wright. The Princeton transfer is a big-time shooter, which is what Colorado needed. Wright drained 73 pointers last year and shot uh, 39.5% from downtown. Wright should be a really complimentary player for Colorado's big three of Tristan Da Silva, KJ Simpson, and Julian Hammond. So a couple notes there. And, you know, before we get into the transfer thems- or transfers themselves, the big thing that stands out is that big three, right? Um, Tristan Da Silva, KJ Simpson, Julian Hammond. Um, I- I- Julian Hammond's a really good player. But if I were to put together a big three, it'd probably be De Silva, KJ Simpson, and Neat Clifford. Um, so again, just these little notes from some outsiders, see what they have to say about these guys. Um, but but that stands out right off the bat to me. And I don't think I, mean, I don't know a lot about Isaac Trotter. I don't think that he has like deep sources in the Colorado basketball scene. Um, again, I think it's just kind of an outsider's opinion. Somebody who's watched him play. Um, but that right away stands out to me. Um, from there, I mean, Jalen Gabadon, competition for playing time on the wing, at the very least, he has a role off the bench. I think that that's right. You know, I, I, could he start? Absolutely. There's absolutely a path for him to start. Um, but at the very least, it, it would take a lot for him to be out of the rotation. If there's like a 10-man rotation, 
then I mean we'll just it, it's tough to say which positions every everybody's got to play, but he probably needs to beat out you know one of Hadley, Luke O'Brien, Quincy Allen. Um, I I don't think Wright's out of the rotation, so. He should absolutely be in the rotation, um, and he should be one of the better players off the bench. You know, assuming he doesn't start, which I don't think he does. I think he's one of their better bench players. Um, so that lines up there with Wright. Obviously, a three-point shooter. I mean, that's he's a nice piece, right? Like when you do have kind of your identity. You know, Tristan De Silva is going to be scoring a lot of points this year. Um, KJ is going to be kind of driving things. He's going to be setting the tone as, as the point guard and probably scoring quite a bit himself. Um, having a guy like Ethan Wright who goes to the corner, knocks down all of his shots when he's open out there, and then can provide quite a bit of defense, a surprising amount of rebounding. I think that a complimentary piece, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what he is. Um, in terms of Javon Hadley, it's a little bit tougher to to say just because he's coming from the JUCO ranks, which, I mean, it's not like the Ivy League is the Pac-12, but you do have a little bit better sense of how these guys play. Um, I would say that he's, I mean, it's, you can't have everybody in the rotation, right? And and there's a couple different ways you can build this out. So let's let's just do it right now. You know, what I'm leaning toward right now is a starting lineup of KJ at point guard, Ethan Wright at the two, Neek at the three, Tristan De Silva at the four, Lawson Lovering at the five. And honestly, I think there's probably a less than 50% chance that that's the way it works because there's just so many moving pieces. You know, Julian could start over KJ. It could keep KJ coming off the bench. Um, Jalen Gabadon could take a starting job. Um, they could Quincy Allen could definitely take a starting job, which would allow Neek to move down to the two, which is probably where he's at his best. You know, I kind of like, I've said this before, I kind of like Tristan De Silva better at the three than the four. Um, and in this lineup, I have him at the four. But there's so many combinations, it's tough to say. I'm going with this one for now, though. KJ, Ethan Wright, Neek, Tristan De Silva, Lawson Lovering. Uh, it just feels like everybody pretty much fits into their roles. Um, and I think you've got most of your your top talent on the floor in the starting lineup. From there, though, you know, Julian Hammond is going to be involved um, unless Javon Ruffin can beat him out. But I'm, I'm keeping Javon on the outside looking in for now. Uh, at the two, I've got Jalen Gabadon as the primary backup. Yeah, he could play the three. Um, you might even be able to stretch him out to the four, but but you probably want him at the three, maybe the two. Um, I've got Javon Hadley out of the rotation behind him. Um, at the three, I've got Quincy Allen coming off uh, off the bench behind Neek. Again, he's a tough one to project. He could be out of the rotation. He could be their, their leading scorer this year. It's just so tough to say. Um, at the four, that's where I've got Luke O'Brien. Um, it makes you a little bit smaller. At the five, I've got Hurlbert coming off the bench. But when you look at that, you know, Hurlbert's more of a four himself. So he's probably taking the backup minutes maybe at both. Luke O'Brien maybe sneaking some out of the three. It's really tough to say. Um, but that's kind of where I have it right now. If we want to just go through the, these transfers and just talk, you know, kind of ceiling and floor this year, 
Um, I mean, we can start with Ethan Wright. You know, the ceiling is he's he's a sniper from three-point range. Um, because there's not going to be so much attention on him in this offense, you could easily see him shooting 40% from three um, on a pretty high rate, um, a, a whole bunch of attempts. So could he put up, you know, 12 points per game? Uh, his ceiling is probably right around there. And and I don't know that you could see him getting any higher than that mark. Um, you know, l- last year he was at 14.7. So maybe he could squeeze up. Maybe the ceiling's more like 13 and a half. It's just that in this offense, although he will get better looks, again, it's power five basketball. You know, you've got Cage out there. You've got Neek out there. And also, for somebody who's going into his, I believe, his fifth season of basketball, uh, you don't expect huge leaps of growth from him. Um, so I do think the percentages might go up. I think that the total scoring is probably going to come down a little bit. Um, in terms of the floor, he's got a pretty high floor. You know, he's, he's going to make his threes. You know, if he has a down year, shoots 34% from three, it would suck, but you just don't. Well, knock on wood, it, it seems like it'd be unlikely for him to drop too far behind that. Um, just considering what he's done in his career to this point, I think the the bigger X factor is just the honestly maybe the rebounding is number one. You're talking about somebody who had seven rebounds per game as a two guard, six foot four in the, in the Ivy League. I think he was what the third leading rebounder, sixth leading rebounder in in, in the Ivy League last year. Does that translate? I think that's probably the biggest question with Ethan Wright is, you know, is he getting you these five rebounds a game? Does that come down to two just because of the athletes he's going to be going up against? You know, that that's probably the biggest range in terms of floor and ceiling. And then defensively, I mean, his floor is a pretty average defender. Um, his, his ceiling is a, a good defender. Maybe, I mean, probably pretty easily the, the guy that you want to be throwing at the other team's best guard. Um, if, if you see the starting lineup of KJ, um, Ethan Wright, Neek, just because if you play Neek on the one, then you're asking those guys to stretch out, seems unlikely. So you probably have Wright taking the, the toughest assignment unless, you know, Jalen Gabadon gets into that starting lineup. Who knows? Maybe Javon Hadley has a chance there too. Um, but the, is he, is he a, a, a solid to good defender or is he one of the better defensive guards in the Pac-12? That's the other big question. Um, it, a lot of what he does kind of reminds me of Jariah Horn. Obviously, they play different positions, and there's a huge height differential, but Jariah was so valuable to that team, I guess two years ago is what you say at this point. It feels like it's so recent. Um, but just the ability to stretch the floor, knock down threes, play some good defense, give good minutes every single night, that level of consistency, and that's that's what Ethan Wright can be and if he can be, I mean, Jariah Horn, you can make the case, was the third best player on that team. Um, and I think that's probably the ceiling for Ethan. Um, it, it's a little bit tougher to project on this team just because there's so many high-variance players. You know, KJ could go and just be one of the very best guards in the Pac-12 this year. He could struggle with turnovers. He could be a little bit lackluster in kind of running the offense, you know, making those passes. He could be a little bit out of control on his drives. And all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, Ethan is probably the better player. Um, it, it, you have that with KJ, something similar with Julian, something similar with Neek, with Tristan, um, Lawson for sure. So maybe Ethan's ceiling is a little bit better than third best player on the team, but it would take 
a pretty disappointing season probably overall if, if some of those other guys don't live up to their hype. Then as a floor, maybe sixth best? Maybe sixth best just because, um, first of all, you have so much young talent that could break out. But also, you know, how, how does the athleticism translate to, to the Power 5 level? You know, if he's a... If, if he doesn't have a great shooting year, doesn't have the athleticism to rebound, and turns out to be a little bit below average defender, um, then you might be saying, well, yeah, I mean, replaceable. And so I think that's kind of the range. Although, again, it, it seems like he should be a pretty consistent option for this team. And with such a young team, that's what you want. Especially, I mean, it just seems like those 3 and D guys are so tough to find. Um, maybe, I mean, if you want to compare him to an Eli Parquet, you know, odds are Eli's the better defender. Um, Ethan is probably pretty similar rebounding, although there's a chance that, that he's better just because the numbers are so good. Um, when you look at what he's done before, there is that sort of hype. Um, then offensively, you expect Ethan to be a little bit better scorer, a little bit better shooter. Um, you know, I think we saw a lot of development last year from Eli, but, you know, that, that development was to him, you know, dribbling into jump shots occasionally, occasionally taking a couple step backs. There, there was nothing really crazy he was doing. He wasn't putting his head down and getting to the rack. I think some of those little vet move type things that, that Eli was pulling off, I think Ethan could probably do those same things. So offensively, I lean Ethan Wright um, versus Eli Parquet. Defensively, I, I lean toward Eli um, but if you're if you're getting pretty close to a, a true replacement for an Eli Parquet, that's tough to complain about. Um, that that's a good player. Um, for for Jalen Gabadon, what is what is the ceiling? the The ceiling is maybe all defensive team. I I think defensively, yeah, you could say that his ceiling is an all defensive team player um, in the Pac-12. Uh, we, we saw him be defensive player in the year in the Ivy League. That was actually a couple years ago. Um, that was 2019-2020 season. You have to think he's, if, if anything, a better defender now. Um, again, six foot five, 190. You can play him against, uh, you would s- probably guess the one through the three, and depending on the matchup, maybe he can defend the four as well. Um, that, that sort of versatility is incredible. Um and I think, obviously, that's where his value really starts is just on the defensive end. Um, decent rebounding numbers. You wonder what those will look like, especially, you know, if they bump him down to the two in Boulder, could you see those rebounding numbers go up from, like, three and a half per game to to maybe a little bit more than that just because he has a better matchup there um, because his job isn't to box out guys who are maybe bigger than him? Yeah, I mean, there's a path. Um, but I don't think you're getting anything all that special out of him rebounding-wise. Um, offensively, it's tough to say. In terms of ceiling, maybe a 35% three-point shooter is, is a ceiling. Maybe 36, um, but but somewhere in that range. He's not going to be just like a knockdown three-point shooter. He's coming off a season where he couldn't quite get to 30%, uh, which was pretty easily his worst season shooting the basketball, but still. Um, so you hope that that jump shot comes along a little bit. Um, he's not somebody who's going to be taking a lot of threes. It's basically just going to be when he's wide open. Um, but he's still a pretty efficient scorer, um, around the rim. He has good touch and, you know, as a cutter, 
you know, uh, it, the question is who gets in the ball. I think he, he the the best looks he's going to get might be c- coming from cutting off of a Tristan to Silva, maybe even like some sort of reversal pick and roll with those two, um, but mostly on post ups from from De Silva if if Gabadon can crash. Now that that's pretty reliant on Tristan De Silva developing as a passer. You know, he he showed a little bit of vision last year. Um, he showed some touch. Uh, there, there were flashes of him being a really good passer, but he turned the ball over way too much. There were some bad passes in there, and so he really needs to clean that aspect up. If he does that, then having Gabadon cutting from from the three-point line, you could see how that could be uh, a decent source of scoring right there. Um, so Gabadon's ceiling, it's tough to envision him as a top-five offensive player on this team. Um, maybe, Maybe... Score number seven is his ceiling because because he's not going to be the score that KJ is. He's not going to be the score that Neek is. He's not going to be the tr- score that Tristan is. Um, Ethan Wright just provides so much value um, because of his spacing on offense that in terms of just pure offensive players, you have to have him in front of a Gabadon. Um, so there's there's four locks, and then from there you look to a loss and Lovering. You know, can he figure out how to use his size advantage? And then all of a sudden, there's five guys who are better. Um, and if not, then what is Quincy Allen this year? Uh, what is Julian Hammond providing? Um, so maybe his ceiling is fifth best offensive player, but that's uh, that's probably asking a lot. Pro- definitely asking a lot. Um, defensively, I mean, defensively, he could be their best defender. Um Realistically, what are you looking at? I mean, what's the floor there? Um, offensively, you could see, I mean, if all those five starters are in front of him, Julian Hammond turns out to be a good point guard. Um, I mean, he takes a small step over last year. Quincy Allen's able to score. Luke O'Brien develops his game a little bit, has a little bit more patience, um, gets a little more touch around the rim. Um, then maybe you get an X factor. I mean, you could see Gabadon being more like your your ninth best scorer, ninth best offensive player, and then that would mean he might be cut out of the rotation by the end of the year. Um, but still, I don't think that's as likely as um, you know, sixth best scorer, second or third best defender. Um, hoping you know that maybe Neek takes a step, that Lawson Lovering becomes a shot blocker, and who knows, maybe like a Luke O'Brien gets up there, KJ gets some steals, Ethan Wright translates, you know. Um, out of all those, you probably expect Gabadon to be second or third best defender on the team, um, and probably sixth best scorer, um, which overall makes you a, a fringe starter, maybe a good sixth man, seventh man. Um, that's probably what's most likely. Um, and then just looking at Javon Hadley, again, this is a really tough one. Um, it's tough to see him being one of their big impact players right away. We can start there. Um, he's he's younger than these other guys. Um, he's I mean, actually kind of surprisingly old. What's his birthday? Do we have that on this page? Born in 2002. Already had his birthday this year, so he's 20, um, which is... You know, college basketball terms, yeah, pretty right in the right in the center. Um, let's see, let's pull up these stats. So he shot thirty-five percent from three, eleven points per game, fifty-five percent uh, from the field. He's he's a pretty well-rounded guy. He had good bounce for the JUCO ranks. I think there's some similarities to how Neek plays. Neek might be just a little bit more explosive. Um, 
215 is what he's listed at. I think it's you know how those basketball heights get get translated. Um, has the tools to be a good defender. I'm not sure how to grade him out as a defender right now. You know, if you were just to say like, who do you want? Um, you've got whatever, just some wing that needs to be guarded. Who do you put on him? Um, I I probably go Jalen Gabadon first. Uh, I go maybe Neek right behind him. Maybe Ethan Wright. If if you think he has the size, which I probably do, so I probably go Gabadon right Neek. Um, but then after that, I, I mean, then you get into the Luke O'Brien Javon Hadley conversation. And I think beginning of the year you go Luke O'Brien. End of the year, you wonder if Javon Hadley's that guy. Um, I think there's a good chance that Hadley and Gabadon, maybe maybe Hadley Gabadon and O'Brien are competing for two spots. Maybe throw Quincy Allen in there and say competing for three spots. Um, that one of those four is cut out of the rotation. Um, yeah, that's probably how I'd look at it. Um, because I don't think there's a world in which Ethan Wright isn't out there. He just, I mean, those three and D guys, that's just something that at some point in every game you want to have, and you probably want to have quite a bit of. So, Javon Hadley... Could he get into the starting lineup? I think it's possible. I mean, this is just kind of a wild card, high upside type of guy. Um, could he? Could you see a starting lineup where it's KJ, Neek, Hadley, De Silva, Lovering? Yeah, yeah, I think that's possible. Um, more likely though, I think Hadley is more of a. Let's see. In, in let's say. Julian Hammond, maybe your sixth man. Gabadon, maybe sixth or seventh. Um, then you get into the Allen O'Brien. I'd say Hadley's most likely situation is that he winds up being a seventh or eighth man in this rotation. Um, again, it's kind of up in the air. So there we go. There's uh, There's some basketball thoughts. And before we get into this new video game, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to go for these Stanley Cup playoffs. I guess it's Stanley Cup final now. But uh, Avs lost last night. It wasn't fun. But they're favored in the next game. If you're a new user, you can bet $5 on either team to win that game. You'll get $150 in free bets. Or no, $100 in free bets instantly. Uh, it's an awesome promotion. They've got all sorts of different things to bet on. Like, like there's crazy stuff. Like, you can just bet on random tennis matches on the other side of the world. Uh, if, if you're bored, you can spend 2 bucks and be entertained by whatever you want through DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, like I said... Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $5 on either NHL team to win their next game. You'll get $150 in free bet Or no, $100, sorry, in free bets no matter what. That's code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup Final. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700. Also, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Athletic Greens. We've been on Athletic Greens for like six months now. Um, I swear it's great stuff. Uh, it's a great way to wake up in the morning. Like, it, I need something that like, gets me out of bed. And when it's just go to the gym, I like lay there. I'm like, I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. But when it's like, you got to go shake up this thing of uh, Athletic Greens, it sounds a lot more manageable. And then from there, you're off and going. 
gives you energy. Like it's packed with all sorts of good stuff. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, so whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all that good stuff that people want these days. Um, I use it every day. You should too. And to make it easy right now, uh, they will give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buffs. That's athleticgreens.com slash B-U-F-F-S. And you can take over your health, pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So into this video game. Um, Like I said, the big news is that July of 2023, we're still expecting to get that game. And this is from uh, from Extra Points. It's a newsletter that you guys should sign up for. It's good stuff. Um, they've been throwing out a bunch of FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests, um, which basically like any public things that happen, um, governmental things that happen, the, those are meant to be known by the public. Like basically any email that anybody at any public university sends, the public has a right to to those. Now they make it tough, but that's not the point right now. Um, extra points. They set out a bunch of those requests to a bunch of schools who have been contacted by the game. So basically what you do is say, hey, University of Colorado, give me all your communications with EA Sports about this. And you have to work on like your wording and make sure you get it all right, that sort of stuff. Um, but th- those turned out to be very useful. There's a lot of information. Um, so we first heard from Extra Points about this. They got a bunch, um, a bunch of proposals from January of 2021, circled back and found a bunch of stuff from February of 2022, and that's you know the still still the same goal, still trying to get it out there at the same time. And there's some other information as well, um, stuff like they're asking schools for their songs, for the chants that they use, all those sorts of things so that they can start recording all those. Um, I'd be curious. I should actually send out a request for all the CU stuff because I'm curious what they came up with. You know, we've talked about this part in the past, but this video game is probably the best possible marketing that you could have in terms of recruiting um, because all the kids are going to play it. And, and once this comes right back out, you know, if I get offered by Colorado, guess what I'm going to do? I'm jumping on the video game and playing with Colorado. I'm, I might start like a dynasty or like play a career there, whatever. But you want to, you, you want things to be cool. You know, you want to get the flat irons in there. You want to be double checking it. They're getting the sunset right behind the flat irons. You want to make sure that, you know, when you play CSU, you've got the sucks to be a CSU Ram chant in there. All of those different things. And I really, really, really hope that CU is taking that stuff seriously because, again, that is a great opportunity to, to market yourself to recruits and a free one at that. You know, if, if you say, include this in your game, include this, all those people who are building the game are going to be like, oh, yeah, we love this. We want as many details as possible. Um, so hopefully they're in on all of that sort of stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah, but they say things like, please provide the text of the chant and anything EA may need to know in order to recreate it authentically, like cadence or if there's a specific piece of music that plays with the chant. 
all that sort of stuff. I wonder, I mean, what else is there? See, like, you wonder, like, the Here Comes Ralphie video. Could they get that in there somewhere? Um, the, what else? I'm trying to think. They, there isn't really a song that plays that I've noticed. Like, it seems like half the schools in the country, like, it's oh, it's after the third quarter. We play Jump Around, and it's like, so does everybody else. Um, but I can't think of anything like that with CU. Again, you're up in the press box. It's easier to miss those sorts of things. Um, do, 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 do. Oh, there's there's stuff like, uh, you know, for the, the stickers on helmets. Like like Ohio State has the stickers on their helmets where it's like, oh, you did this, you get a helmet. Um, but they want to make it so that you get more of those stickers in games at the end of the season than at the beginning because obviously that's when all the stickers are already on the helmet before they get cleared off. Um, so stuff like those, you like to see the details. It does say that nearly 120 institutions have approved participation. Um, there's a couple that are holding out. Um, because they're trying to get like student athletes to be paid for likenesses or because there's still some licensing sorts of things that, that cause some trouble. But all of those, it sounds like, are expected to get ironed out pretty easily. Um, they expect every FBS school to be in it. Um, do, do, do. The big thing is getting players in the game. And I think that's been, to almost everybody who's a fan of this game, that's been one of the sticking points for ever i mean since the game first started coming out now you know the way they used to be set up was um oh colorado has uh safety number 23 he's he's not the fastest but he's pretty skilled he's a great tackler um one of the best players on the team but you know it's isaiah lewis but they just can't say that that was the whole first lawsuit that got the game shut down was we know who these players are they're using the likeness even if you aren't using the the name as well um, so this time around, will they be able to include those? They're still trying to figure out a way to do it. Apparently tops has a new trading card deal that seems to provide a structure for something like this. Um, there's optimism that they'll be able to, to make, uh, the player likenesses work. Um, it's complicated because of the way the whole sport works right now. According to this, if it doesn't work out, then there won't be a way to customize rosters because the way people did that in the past was they just download a roster that somebody else made. Um, so that's too bad. Um, payments to schools will range from $10,000 to about $100,000. Uh, depends on, you know, are you good? Um based on top 25 finishes over a 10-year period, things like that. Um, I think those are all the details. And I'll add, I mean, it would be it'd be really cool if they could get the players in there. I mean, that's that's the real X factor. Um, if you can make it so that I can play with Brendan Lewis, I mean, I remember talking with Katie Nixon about this a couple years ago, you know, growing up on the video game, like watching the video or playing the video game, wanting to be in it. And then when it was his turn to be in it, there was no video game. Uh, Darren Cheverini talked about that too. When he was on the football team, you know, the day the game comes out, they go and buy a copy, bring it back to the dorm, see what they're all rated. Um, so uh, for the, for the student athletes, it'd be awesome to get him in there. On top of that, they probably get whatever 500 bucks a piece or whatever that number comes out to be. Um, 
I hope I hope that part works out. Um, and then in terms of the game, I mean, the dynasty mode is was always the best part, where you get to to take over a program, where you get to be the head coach of wherever and, and offer players and try to win games and manage everything off the field. Um, I guess the the other game mode where you got to be a, a, a player was really cool too. Um, try to go win the Heisman and you get your four years and you have to take like tests and stuff. It was, was kind of dumb looking back in hindsight, but it was a lot of fun. Also, I was like 12 when the game stopped being made, I think. So I guess, no, I wasn't. I would have been, what, 10, 10 years ago? Oh, I mean, I guess I was like 14, 15. So that's not much different. But if you could get that d- dynasty mode going and include NIL, and include the the behind-the-scenes stuff. And they were never able to include, like, the sanctions or cheating or anything like that because the NCAA didn't want that to be thought of with the game. Um, But that would be so cool if you could, right? If you could say, like, hey, this this booster just came to you. He wants to give you 200 grand. Do you want to take it? It's like, yeah, I'll take it. It's like, oh, what do you want to do with it? Do you want to... Or do, or do you tell them to give it to the to the school to upgrade facilities, or do you take it to use on recruits? And then which recruits you want to give it to? It's like, oh, you gave fifty grand to this guy, he took it. Oh, you gave fifty grand to this guy. Oh, he told the NCAA on you. You know, it, again, it might be kind of cheesy, but it, it would be fun and it'd be realistic. And this says that they're trying to get as much realism as they can, try to get NIL into it, the transfer portal, all that sort of stuff, which is a good sign. But the execution is the big thing, and I mean. Just the actual gameplay. I mean, you play the Madden game and half the plays, you're like, well, that's not really how that would work. Like, that guy just jumped in the air and did a 360 catch? Like, I don't know about that. And so, hopefully, they, they make it play smoother. They, those games always played smoother than Madden back in the day. We'll see. Um, I'm excited. I wish we didn't have to wait another year. But to build a good game, it takes some time, especially when you got to deal with all this kind of political stuff on the side as well. So, pulling for them. Hope it works out. And I think that's all I've got for today. I'll be back Thursday for sure. Maybe tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe tonight I'll record another because I'm going to be way behind on work if not. Um, Regardless, we'll talk soon. And I'm sure there's going to be something worth talking about. I will see you then.